0: You can turn in your Bibles to First John chapter four to begin with. That's way in the back of your Bible, by Revelation, way in the back. First John chapter four, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go through again tonight. I don't know. I hope we can move on. But I want to say thank you to everybody that brought gifts in, all the married people, and uh, this is just a verse that really doesn't have to do with the message. But it just shows us uh, about love. 1 John 4, verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. All right? Beloved, let us love one another. And so this is a verse that we have used, and I've tried to use uh, to have a church where we love single people and divorce people, widows, widowers, those that have never been married. We don't look down on you. We don't think you're weird. Some people do. It's just crazy. It's not Christian. Um, as we'll see by the message today. It's not Christian to look down on people uh, if they're not married, but uh, there has been a lot of failure in marriage because people have been pushed into it too speedily and didn't wait on the Lord uh, in that matter. But uh, the church, I mean, it's led by a single person, okay? Uh, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Uh, and he is to have the preeminence in all things, and he never married. Okay, He married the church spiritually, but he was, he was uh, never married. Well, he walked the earth and uh, didn't have a wife. Um, and so I thought years ago, you know, there's sometimes you go to a church and say, we're a family church. And, and I always wonder, what do the divorce people think about that advertisement? What do single people think about that? Or widows or widows, widowers, you know? What do they think about that if they see that? You ever see that on churches? We're a family church. Something for the family. And so are we, okay? We love the family. We love marriage. And uh, we try to help husbands be the best they can, and wives, and raise their children well, and grandchildren, and all that kind of stuff. But we want to equally, equally let single people know that they are uh, welcome in the Lord's church. And I hope by the end of the sermon you'll see that. Today I want to talk about two types of single people. Two types of single people, that's the name of the message. Two types of single people. Number one, there are those single people who hope to get married someday. All right, they're single people. And then number two, there are those single people who are content to live that way and be single uh, for the rest of their life. They have no problem with it, and they do it and can do it with God's help very, very successfully. So we're going to have kind of like two sermons here. First of all, I want to speak to those who are single uh, who hope to get married um, someday. I just want to give you a bunch of almost disjointed advice here. Uh, for you, if that is the season of life that you are in right now, I would encourage you to stop dating and uh, patient, be patient in waiting. Uh, there is a God that knows you. He sees you. Uh, he even saw uh, Hagar when she was out in the wilderness, remember? little servant girl had a baby boy out of wedlock named Ishmael. And they were out in the wilderness, they were out in the desert, and you'd think, you know, these are two pretty and insignificant people, even in Bible history. But God saw them. In fact, uh, it was Hagar, after God wonderfully provided for her, a single mother, and her son Ishmael, who said, Thou, God, seest me. It was that single lady who said that about God, Thou... God seest me. Now this is something each of us in this room need to accept by faith, is that God sees you. God sees you. He he knows who you are. He knows how old you are. He knows whether your biological time clock is ticking down or whatever. And uh, those things are not concerns for Him. He's bigger than all of that. And uh, dating can be a very confusing time in people's lives. It can, be, it can produce great emotional upheaval. Um, I don't know of any Christian way to break up with somebody. Uh, it's very hurtful. And uh, it's best just to avoid that hurt and just avoid the dating and keep waiting on the Lord. The Bible says, wait on the Lord. And he shall sustain thee. He'll meet your needs. But especially if you're young, dating can cause a great deal of emotional upheaval. And uh, if you mix that with your powerful hormonal changes that you're going through, it can be a very dangerous situation that you are in, that you put yourself in, that can lead to just a lot of confusion. And there's people who date and, and date and break up and date and break up and date and break up and date and break up, and that's pretty much how they get out of relationships they're not happy with. And then they get married, and guess what happens when they're not happy there? Well, they've trained themselves just break up the relationship and get into another one. And that's uh, boy, you can tell some stories right about here, but uh, I don't think time will prevent us. Uh, wait on the Lord. It is a beautiful thing. I personally have enjoyed watching my daughter Rebecca, uh, and uh, the many, many years she waited. She didn't get married till she was 36, and to see God orchestrate the union of her and a man who was halfway around the world, growing up in the Philippines, a uh, Calvin and how God put them together. The scripture says, What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Uh, We have to realize that he is in the business of matchmaking, and he does a pretty good job of it when people allow him, by faith, to work in their life. Um. And uh, that's what we want. And they, they they waited a long time, and they've been married about four years now, I think. And they're they're so happy. Uh, they're they're so happy together. Sometimes people have to wait a long time. Other times it happens in a day, just that fast. Such as the testimony of my wife and I. Uh, we never saw each other in our lives, and then just. Being in the right place in the right time, uh, I was in church. I came to church one Sunday morning. Just got out of the army. My dad made us go to church. He's a good dad. And when I got home, began to live with him for a short time again after the army, not sure what I was going to do with my life. Uh, he said, Well, it's Sunday, let's go to church. And so we went to church. Some of you have heard this story ten times, but some of you have never heard it. Went to church that morning. And and 11 o'clock, sitting in the church, or standing rather, standing there singing with the psalm book, had the psalm book open, singing the first hymn. He said, let's stand together and sing such and such a hymn, and I'm just standing there singing the hymn, and I see a young lady run, walk right in front of me. She grabs her hymn book, she starts singing the song, and I'm looking at her, and uh a very small church. We'd have 30 people in the church sometimes, maybe 40 on a big day. So you know, I knew everybody in the church. Everybody. just I grew up in the church. I didn't know her, though. I didn't know her. And I hadn't been in that church in three years, and she hadn't been in that church in 11 years, and we were there the same Sunday, and she stood right in front of me. I was kind of distracted that day. If I don't know what the guy preached on. He probably tried his hardest, but uh, I didn't hear it. I was saying, who's this? and I don't think I thought about another woman since then in the way of 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 a mate or a young or or a wife um, it was a little different for her. It took her a while to warm up to me <laughs> so but uh i uh, I met her right after church. she swung around and 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 shook my hand like a lady should extend her hand first and said, My name's Leslie Thompson. What's yours? I said, I'm Mark Cole. And my dad was standing next to me. He met her. And we talked. And uh, her stereo, some of you have never heard of such a thing, but her stereo broke down. And I was in electronic technology in the Army. And we somehow she's mentioned that. And I said, I was in the Army. And she says, Well, could you come up and look at it? And I said, how about next Sunday? So I went up to their house after church on Sunday, met Roy and Janet. Amen. And they, uh, they were in our church for 25 years. I use Roy's Bible for preaching now because uh, it's giant print. <laughs> uh, but uh, we met there, and 10 months later, we were married. We've been married 42 years and uh, just have never once had a single doubt in my mind, that I married the right person. So for me, it happened in a day. For Rebecca, my daughter, and Calvin, it was eight years of Skyping and whatever they did. uh, Halfway around the world figuring out how can we ever get together, and God in His time did it. And there's all kinds of other testimonies of people who met in the will of God and waited on God and... uh, It's a wonderful thing. Marriage is honorable in all, Hebrews 13 and verse 4 says, and the bed undefiled, but adulterers and whoremongers God will judge. Marriage is honorable in all. It's, It's basically God's will for most people to marry. But sometimes in circumstances that are extreme, it is not. To the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 7, And verse 25, Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose therefore that this is a good thing. I suppose therefore that this is good for the present distress, I say, that it is good for a man so to be. Now in the context, he's talking about being single. Paul was a single man. And he talked about the present distress there in Corinth. If you know about Corinth, Corinth was a carnal city. It was a city wholly given over to idolatry and sensuality and selfishness. And as a result, people were being brought up with selfishness, self-centeredness, narcissistic, egotistical, and sensual. And so they were not fit to be married. They were not marriage material. And because it was so hard to find somebody who was marriage material to get married to in Corinth, Paul's advice to that church was, I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress, I say, that it is a good for a man so to be, And he was talking about himself being single. And he said, I wish you were like me. uh, A single man. Because if you can't find somebody who's qualified for marriage, then you better be single. I hope that makes sense. Now what are we living in? In this current day and age? Well, we we are living in a country that has been indoctrinated with humanism, as I've explained before, that's just a fancy word for selfishness, self-centeredness, narcissistic, uh, narcissistic living, egotistical, and those a selfish person uh, is not marriage material. Uh... Marriage is a ministry. When you get married, you're entering the ministry. If you go in and say, Well, what can I get out of this? You're not marriage material. If you go into it and say, What can I give? How can I enrich this lady's life for the rest of our existence together till death do us part? How can I minister to her every day? You're marriage material. If a lady goes in and says, how can I minister to this man for the rest of my life? How can I help bring him closer to God and fulfill God's will uh, for his life? What can I do for him until death do us part? Your marriage material. Proceed. But if you don't think like that, then wait till you think like that before you get married. That's called humility. Humility is when you spend your life thinking about God and others. Pride is when you spend your life thinking about yourself. And pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. And it only takes one person to wreck a marriage. You get one selfish person, and the marriage is going to have problems. You get two selfish people in the marriage, and it's finished. It's finished. It's not going to happen. Now, those of you that are single again, maybe you'll get remarried someday. I don't know what God's will is for your life. But the next time, you can learn some things. Uh, and be a success. You gotta, gotta wait on God. There's such a wonderful romantic story in Genesis 24 of a man, single man, who's 40 years old. And uh, it's the longest chapter in Genesis. It's 65 verses long, and it's all about just finding this guy a wife. It's really a romantic story. The world has, I think, forgotten romance. I think God's romantic as you study the way he woos each one of us to himself through Jesus Christ and and his love for Israel it just just won't quit man his love for Israel won't quit and Jesus love for the church and how he's so kind and gracious and just just pours out his grace and uh on on us, the bride of Christ, day after day after day to try to keep us close. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. Isaac is 40 years old. When he was 37, his mom died. He was an only son of Sarah. And so Abraham wisely sends, his father sends his most trusted, oldest servant, Eleazar, to find him a wife And make sure you don't get one of the daughters of Canaan. In other words, make sure you don't bring Isaac back an unsaved woman. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? It is forbidden by God for those that are saved, to marry somebody who is unsaved. And that's true about remarriage too in 1 Corinthians 7. It says she may marry again only in the Lord. That's number one. I mean, if the person's not saved, don't even look at them except as a soul that's going to hell who needs to be born again. Don't get emotionally and hormonally tied into somebody who's an unbeliever. Or you're going to crash and burn. They need to be saved. That's it. And uh, boy, history is replete with stories of women who married unsaved men. Oh, I'm going to win him to Christ. And then watched him take his last breath before he plunged into hell. And vice versa. And men, I'll, I'll win her to Christ. No, just follow the Scriptures by faith and obey the Lord. Ye that love the Lord, it says, If you love Me, keep My commandments. He says, Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And just being a believer isn't enough either. The man needs to have some wisdom. He needs to have some money. He needs to have more than just love. Love. Oh, we love each other. Yeah, well, it takes more than just love to make a marriage work. And the Bible is to be studied by single people who want to get married someday so you know what you're doing. And even with all the knowledge you can get from the Bible about marriage, there's still going to be some surprises after marriage that you never prepared for. Paul called it having problems in the flesh. Never marry someone who's angry. Make no friendship with a furious man. An angry man with a furious man, thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare for your soul. Those of you that are angry are not marriage material. You've got to wait until you develop your relationship with Christ and the peace of God that passes understanding changes you into a new man and into a new woman so you can then be married because you don't want to live with an angry person. Don't go with an angry or furious man. Proverbs 21.19 says, It is better to dwell on the corner top than with a contentious and an angry woman. So there's angry men, angry women. <clears throat> disqualified. Take them off your list. Take them off your list. Rebecca tells me that some of the best advice I ever gave her was never marry an angry man. And She says, Calvin has never raised his voice to me once since we've been married. Praise the Lord. That's nice when marriage is a, a peaceful haven that you can go to each night and have a little piece of heaven on earth in the midst of a world that's just... I don't, I don't know why people are so angry some th- these days, but well, I do know why, because of proud wrath, that's why. These are things you need to think about. You need to marry a good business partner. You need to be good with your money first. As a girl, it just seems like we live in a world where girls can earn a lot of money, and men can earn a lot of money, and... And you need to save up a nest egg. You need to, before you're married, and, and pay your bills off and, and uh, try to contribute. Maybe when you get married, you could put a good down payment on a house. And Listen, financial pressures, that's the number one cause of marital misery. And, and almost all divorces come to fighting over money. Fighting over money. And you and I need to be wise in that matter. Attend to the Lord without distraction. That's what it says a young person should do, a single person. Attend to the Lord without distraction. Not a bunch of boyfriends and girlfriends, and no, without distraction. You know, there's this guy. I'll get back to him, and then we'll go on to our second sermon. But uh, Isaac, so he's minding his own business. What's his own business at that time in his life? Well, in Genesis 24, it says in verse 63, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. He's going to go out and have his devotions. Isn't that precious? He's going to go out and meet with God. It's nighttime. The stars are out. And this 37-year-old single young man is probably just doing what he did every day. It's time for me to go out and meet with God and spend some time in the presence of the Lord and he almost gets run over by a herd of camels. Because Eliezer, the oldest steward of Abraham, went to find a wife for him and he found Rebecca. The Bible, Rebecca. And uh, this is God's will. God is setting this up. And he's where God wants him to be, minding his own business. He's not thinking about women. He's thinking about the Lord. And she's over there just taking care of her dad, Bethuel, and the household and everything. And Eliezer shows up, the eldest steward. You girls want some advice about marriage? Find the oldest man you can find, and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about that guy as as a suitor. Do you think he's marriage material?" And you find the oldest, most spiritual man you can find, and you say to him, "What do you think?" I'm talking to you girls right now. What do you think? That's what God did. Because see, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. We're talking here about protecting the messianic lineage. We're talking about bringing Jesus Christ in the world. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. We've got to find the right way for him to do God's will. And so he's out there worshiping God at even time Think about God, and here comes a bunch of camels at him. And Eliezer's back after a long trip and there is a young lady on one of the camels and she is really good looking the Bible says so so what does she do she covers herself there's wisdom beautiful young lady she covers herself there's wisdom Why? What if she's beautiful and uncovered? Boy, he's going to be thinking spiritual thoughts right then, isn't he? No, you don't know how men think. It's so good of you to be modest. Dress modestly. Let a man look at your countenance. Let him observe your purity, your spirituality. And so she... Lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant said unto her, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. She said, I want this guy to think of me for who I am, Uh, not for physical things, not for my body. Not for carnal things. That's pretty shallow stuff. That doesn't last very long. That shallow, carnal stuff. But they're going to enter into a spiritual relationship. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. Goes over the whole thing. And then after that, Isaac brought her into his mother's Sarah's, Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. She became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. He loved her. So this is the lady God gave me. God was in this. I had nothing to do with this. God brought her to me. Now this is faith. You've got to have faith to do this. You've got to say, I believe God sees me. I believe God knows what's best for me. I believe God has chosen somebody before I was ever born. And He's going to bring him to me. Now, you be praying about it. You be praying about it. And I don't know whether it will happen to you like in a day with me and Leslie, or it's going to take to you're 36 years old or something. I've seen God arrange marriages for people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and one in their 90s. I've seen God arrange a, a second marriage when they became a widow or a widower and they had a precious second marriage. And God can oversee that too. It takes faith though. It takes faith just to keep your eyes in the word of God and your eyes on God and then bang. All of a sudden, he'll open your eyes. Just like the day you opened your eyes for salvation and you understood the gospel and you believed on Jesus Christ, he will open your eyes and say, that's the one right there. That's the one. Now forget perfect. i got to move on here, but forget perfect. All right? It just has to be Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. It's not going to be Mr. Perfect. Okay, this is where you got to get control of your mind and quit fantasizing. You can fantasize yourself right out of reality. Because there ain't no guy going to come along like your fantasies. That ain't happening. <laughs> it's not happening. Fantasies can be perfect. Surreal. You're not getting no lady that's going to be like your fantasies either, men. Forget Perfect. Accept Mr. Wright, Mrs. Wright, marry them. They're not going to be perfect. You'll find that out. Now, for those of you that are single and content to be that way, in Matthew 19, this sermon will be shorter. Matthew 19, verse 12, very unique verse. Jesus said this For there are some eunuchs which are so born from their mother's womb, number one. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, number two. And there are be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. There's three types of eunuchs. There's those that are born that way from their mother's womb. They are never interested in Marriage. Never interested in sexuality. They're asexual. They're born that way. I've seen some of them as Christians. They've been some of the most wonderful Christians that have ever lived. There's others that can't. The Bible says they they burn and they got to get married. All right, that's in the Bible too, 1 Corinthians 7. There's those that are made eunuchs by men. Sadly, this is Surgical eunuchs, and and, and they're starting to do this to children nowadays, these these people that are offending the children. Boy, when they stand before God, they're in big trouble when they tell some boy he's a girl, and they do something surgically to him. Then later in life, he realizes, I guess I am a boy. It's too late then. And I believe some of the lowest places and the hottest places in hell are for these who are confusing the children of today. Surgical eunuchs. But then there's number three. Those that have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake. They love the Lord so much. And they have learned to walk in the spirit. They've learned the truth of Galatians 5.16. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And they're able to be single spiritual people by the power of the Holy Ghost, and they've made themselves that way because they love the Lord so much and they just want to devote their whole life to Christ without any distraction. Now, in years past, on these single Sundays, we've talked about some of these people in the Bible. These are single people. Daniel. Dare to be a Daniel. We just sang that. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Jeremiah, God said to him, thou shalt not take a wife or have children. Jeremiah, one of the greatest prophets ever. Elijah, Elijah, John the Baptist, the Apostle Paul. How about the Lord Jesus Christ? That's pretty good company. That's pretty good company right there. Those guys, wow. These are people who flipped the world over. What about the apostles? The only one of the 12 we know for sure who was married was Peter. He's the only one. I don't know about the other ones. God can use single people. There was a Presbyterian missionary to India named John Hyde, He went there and God just began to work revivals all over that country of India. We know him today as Praying Hyde. Praying Hyde. They said that he literally had knees like a camel. They said somehow they said that often he would pray for 36 consecutive hours. I don't even know how someone can stay up that long. He would pray. There were times when he would go away from his ministry and pray for a month. Praying hide. He was a pastor's son, Presbyterian pastor's son, but he never got married. He gave his life to prayer. And there were revivals all over India, a dark nation, dark continent, because of praying hide. One lady back in the 1800s, her name was Florence Nightingale. She was a Christian. It hurt her so much to see the suffering forsaken. And she began to, she she is really called the, the mother of modern day nursing. And she introduced things like sanitation to nursing skills. Bedside manners and things that are still practiced today. She wrote a book about it, back in 1860. And nurses today, whether they know it or not, almost emulate everything Florence Nightingale did on a daily basis. She introduced organization and order to nursing, where they they kept records of this individual and how they've been treated, and this person, and this person, and this, this person, this person, all because she was led by Christ. And she cared for the, the, the wounded in the Crimean War, and then she came to America and, and cared for the wounded in, in uh, I, I forgot if it's the Revolution, no, the, the, the Civil War, and, and I'm not up on my history about Florence Nightingale. But she never married. She never married. I, I, knew, I knew a lady, Helen Muse, when I was growing up as a 15 year old boy I used to go to the City Mission or the Grace and Hope Mission with my dad my brother's down in Buffalo and there was this really pretty lady there named Helen Mews real pretty real pretty and uh, when you're 15 you know these things <laughs> nothing wrong with your eyes when you're 15 I'll tell you and she I, I still correspond with her a little bit send her Christmas cards and stuff She worked, they closed Buffalo's Grace and Hope Mission, I think in 73. She went down to the Baltimore one. She's still there. She's been working with the down and outers in the city, inner city, for over 60 years. She never married. And I can't tell you how many hundreds and probably thousands of people. And they they had drunks come in and prostitutes and drug addicts and... They'd preach to them and you know, they'd have preachers in and then these ladies would give them food and they'd have clothing and, and so on. And so many got converted, and got on their feet and became good Christian men. Christian women because of people like Helen Muse. I remember a mentor who taught me how to be a soul winner. His name was Ted Dexter. He lived to be 89 years old. He Never married. Never married. But for 41 years, he had a booth out at the Erie County Fair in the bazaar building. And thousands of people came to Christ. For 41 years, he did that. And he had signs all over Ohio and Pennsylvania and New York. Big 4 by 4 plywood signs that said, Where will you spend eternity? Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And he'd keep those signs up. Gospel sign evangelism. He mentored young men like me and George, my brother and my dad. He was our mentor. And uh, helped us preach, gave us opportunities down at the Grace and Hope Mission, the city mission, to preach, to play our trumpets, all kinds of stuff. He was single. He was satisfied. He lived a fruitful life. Phillips Brooks Most famous for writing, Oh Little Town of Bethlehem, but what an Episcopalian preacher he was down in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the time when the Episcopalians used to really preach the gospel, the 1800s. All through the Civil War, he ministered there and just brought thousands and thousands of people to Christ. He was six foot six foot tall, over 300 pounds. Phillips Brooks. He was single. Never got married. But they say that just thousands and thousands of people came to his funeral that he had touched. There are single people who are content to stay that way. And someday, in closing, let me say this we're all going to be single again pretty soon. Because there's no marriage in heaven. We are as the angels in heaven, according to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 30. That don't sound like any fun, some carnal soul says. Ah uh. But in Psalm 16:11 it says, "In thy presence is fullness of joy, that's something we've never had here on earth. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's something we've never had here on Earth." Oh, we've had a few pleasures, some joy little tastes. But there it's forever. And we will be with the Lord Jesus Christ and the presence of God will dwell with us. But we're going to be single again someday. That's why we say wisely at the marriage altar, till death do us part. Till death do us part. Pauline's marriage to Larry was dissolved a week ago. Pastor Williams and his precious wife Pauline. Boy, those two got hooked up by God's will, and boy, did they serve the Lord. Went to the funeral this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. (sighs) That church was just packed to the walls, chairs in the aisles, chairs in the back. 44 pastors had his funeral. And just to honor him and a whole bunch that sent notes in who couldn't make it because they were at camp or something. and uh, but now Pauline, her marriage is dissolved by death. And you pray for her. so what are you today? in closing, are you a single person who's waiting to be married? I hope I've given you some things to think about from the Bible to so wait on God he is the choice he has for you is just. Down the road, you're gonna say, "Wow, wow, good job, God, good job, yeah." Or are you a single who's content to stay that way? Serve the Lord without distraction. You can, you can do so much for God as a single person. And uh, I want to close with this. Turn to Romans chapter number 12, verse 21, real quick. Romans twelve twenty one. You say, I'm struggling as a single person. Well, we're all struggling, single or married. But it says in verse 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. There's a lot of temptations for single people today. The, the, the devil's filled the world with them. So much you can do, evil. But it says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So instead of watching evil movies, overcome evil with good, read your Bible. Instead of being involved in endless sports, go to church. Be involved in everything at church. Instead of drinking alcohol or smoking pot, spend time in prayer. Overcome evil with good. That's what the Bible says. That's the formula. Just overcome evil with good. The evil things you used to do, stop doing them, start doing good things. You used to listen to bad music, Start listening to good music. Overcome evil with good, because I know there's unique struggles for single people, but there's a little bit tacked on to the end of the sermon there. Let us pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, so much for our single Sunday and pray that the Holy Spirit would help those that are single but are waiting to be married Lord, I think our church over the last few years has seen some wonderful marriages that you have arranged. Some were people who knew each other all the time growing up in, camp, uh, in church. Others met at camp. Others met halfway around the world on missions trips. But you coordinated some very wonderful marriages lately in this church. And you're not done. There is someone here who, maybe like I used to think, thought it would be impossible to ever find the right person. Lord, help them to have faith and to trust in you that you can join them together with the right person someday. And Lord, help those that are of a contented heart to remain single, to serve the Lord. And to overcome any evil temptations in their life by doing good. And so help us thank you for these singles. And Lord, use them, I pray, in and through our church too. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close by turning to page 610. 610 says, give of your best to the master. Give of the strength of your youth. Don't wait till later in life when you have no energy left, and then, here, God, what can you do with me? Give of the strength of your youth. Let's stand together.